uh, Isaiah the prophet wrote that unless the Lord had left us a remnant, would have been extinct. And what he was talking about was reference to what Dempster said earlier. We were like a school without a teacher. <laughs> I'm sure the Lord has a lot of teachers in this congregation. And so, here I am. My name is Jarvis Osamudiame Jacobs, one of the elders of this church. And today we are going to discuss a letter written by Paul to Philemon. Uh, I want to begin from the youth. I don't know if you have received a love letter before. <laughs> because I remember when I was in high school, I used to receive love letters from admirers. And most of those admirers, they were just young women who were in love. And so they would write you love letters. And I want to read you a piece from one of those letters long ago. <laughs> And the piece goes like this. The ecstasy of your love makes me glad. And joy fills my heart at the touch of you. This sentence has remained with me for a while. But the reason why the sentence remained with me was because of the beauty of letter writing, which I think we have almost forgotten because of technology. Because today a lot of you will test... <laughs> There were no telephones in my time. And the telephone that were available in my time probably belongs to big government officials in their houses or big businessmen. And they were landlines. And you, the poor does not have any of it. Not at all. But today you will agree with me that everywhere you turn, either in the street, in the bus, in the subway or wherever you are, someone, must be, someone is talking on the phone. And there's phones everywhere. But in ancient times, it was not like that. Delivery of messages were very, very, very difficult. And not only difficult, they were not as simple as you can think of. I want to share with you a story of one who died delivering a very important message to his superiors. That message today is the reason why we run the marathon. Because when the ancient Greeks went to fight the patients and they defeated the patient army at marathon, they sent Phipidides to deliver the message. And he has to run 26 kilometers to deliver that message. That was how difficult it was. And on his arrival, he fell down and died. He died delivering that message. But delivering a military message like that took a different turn in modern times. You will recall when the U.S. Army went to Baghdad to fight. The general in Baghdad called President George W. Bush via a satellite phone to report the fall of Baghdad. And a Roman-style victory parade was held in Washington, D.C., celebrating that victory. No one died delivering that message. So also, in the Old Testament, we saw or we know of another man who delivered a letter for which he died for, 
or he died delivering his own assassination plot. In 2 Samuel 11, 14-15, it's written that in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, his army commander, and sent it by Uriah. In it he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. And Joab did as he was ordered by the king because that was an order. He has no way of doing it otherwise, nor even questioning why he was going to do that. Then if we move on to the history of made delivery itself, it started way back by the pharaohs of Egypt. In 2400 BC, the pharaohs, when they write their edit, they will send couriers to deliver it throughout the empire so that no one will have any excuse as to why they did not obey the edit. But it was the Romans that actually had a documentation of the postal services since the time of Augustus Caesar, at about the time Jesus Christ was born. Then modern postal services in North America started about the time that Benjamin Franklin was appointed in 1775 by the U.S. Congress. Well, however, in 1860, the governor of Missouri commissioned a newspaper ad for the Pony Express. And it reads as follows. Listen carefully. Young, skinny, weary fellow, not over 18, must be an expert horse rider, willing to risk death daily. Orphans are preferred. There were reasons why they wrote that ad. You will recall that to deliver a message from Missouri to California was a death wish because the West was still wide. And there were hostile Indian tribes that were not very friendly to the settlers at the time. And then this, the, the state of Missouri didn't want any liability because if, uh, if an orphan were to die, nobody was to ask of them. There were no benefits to be paid. They would just be written off as casualties of work or whatever it may be. And they would be forgotten. And another would be appointed. But however, this danger that is associated with maid delivery was not only observed by these people in the ancient times, nor those, in the, those by the early settlers in America. In post time, composition and delivery of letters were not easy, as we have learned from records. There were professional letter writers who may not convey your idea at all or your desired intentions. And there was the difficulty of delivery, and that difficulty of delivery has to do with the fact that there were no postal services. Either someone was going to the direction you want to send the letter to, or you, you were rich enough to commission someone to take your letter to certain destination. And you will see that if you go throughout the New Testament, all of Paul's letters were either delivered through those who were going to the direction the letters were going to, or by those whom the letter was written for. 
And we see this in Philippians 2.25. How Paul sends Epaphroditus to Philippi, or in the case of Philemon, as we have read from the scriptures, Onesimus was sent to his master by Paul. And in this situation, Onesimus must have been very brave because he was a runaway slave. You don't want to do that in Roman times because it has consequences. In Roman times, slave delivery was very, very tedious. I want to read to you what the implications are in those days to be a runaway slave. Most of the time we take universal slavery for granted in our times. But you should recall that it was practiced by the Jews, was practiced by Romans, was practiced by the Greeks. Although the institution varies from empire to empire, but the culture of slavery was the same. The Jews pride themselves in the fact that they never treated their slaves with cruelty, as the laws of Moses dictated to them. But slaves among the Jews did not receive protection either, because those who had no respect for the law of Moses could misuse them. But the Greek civilization was built around the institution of slaves. Because the, the, the Greek empire would not have succeeded when it succeeded without, slave, without slavery. Then the Romans, on the other hand, considered slaves a legal property of the masters. And that was what we witnessed later in the deep south. And they would use these slaves in their farms, in their houses, and whatever they want to use them for. But the institution of slavery was more complicated than we think it was. Because the main source of slavery were birth. Maybe you were born by a woman who is enslaved. Or your parents are all slaves. So you will be slave when you are born. And then there was a slave, there was a, there was a practice of abandoning children, which has been happening from time of men. So when those children are collected, they end up being slaves in the old Roman Empire. Then there were those who volunteered to make themselves slaves because they were not able to pay their debts. And so they become slaves. Then there were those who were made slaves because of military conquest. Slave dealers often followed military campaigns, buying captured prisoners and shipping them off to slave markets to be sold at a nice profit. And we know that slavery is not a simple thing. And then it was more difficult if you become a runaway slave. The reason for all this explanation has to do with the courage that Paul had to send Onesimus back to Philemon. Because he knows very well the, consequence, the, the, the consequences of holding on to a runaway slave in the old Roman Empire. Not only that, he also knew the difficulties or the consequences that Onesimus was going to face if, this, if his master were not a Christian. 
And so Paul decided he has to send him back. But he has to do that out of love. You will recall that the letter that was written by David was not written out of love. David wrote that letter so that Uriah the Hittite would not come back from war. We will stay here and agree that he was conniving. And Uriah took that letter not knowing what was in the letter. And when he went, when he went to Abner, Abner did exactly as David asked him to do. And so Uriah died, delivering his own death warrant. And the letter that was asked to be delivered by the Pony Express was another death wish. Because the Pony Express, as I explained earlier, was like someone deciding to go to a suicide mission in modern times. Because you actually never come back. You may be able to deliver the letter to California, but you may not be able to return because of the danger of that journey. But Paul, in his letter, he didn't give an order as the Egypt pharaohs would have done with their, with their edict that was circulated by Korea. It would be an order. Everybody has to obey. And so also was the letter that David wrote. It was an order. It has to be obeyed. But Paul wrote this letter out of love. And that was the reason why we discussed the love letter at the beginning. Because it's difficult to even write a love letter in those days. But Paul, knowing fully well that he has no authority other than that which was appointed unto him by God, decided not to give an order to Philemon. Instead, he made a request. If you look at the insert that is in the bulletin, you will see that Paul's request on Onesimus' behalf was the practical outworking of his prayer in Philemon 1 to 6, which we did not read. Because he has prayed recognizing Philemon's qualities as a Christian and how he has heard about all the good works he has been doing. Therefore, he's wanting him to continue in that good work. That was the, that was the, that was the preamble to the letter, he was, to the request he was going to make to him. First of all, he has to subtle him. But even so, he did all out of love. To continue, he has asked him to continue in the practice of love, even in difficult circumstances such as this, as he is requesting of him in verse 8 to 11. Paul asked Philemon to voluntarily forgive, because if that forgiveness was not done willingly, it would not mean anything. Therefore, he is asking him, please forgive voluntarily. He was pleading with him out of love. In comparison, the forgiveness of human sins was done out of God's desire to do so. As we read in John 3.16. That was a rhyme I learned when I was in kindergarten. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him would not die, but have everlasting life. 
It is our responsibility, therefore, to voluntarily forgive as God voluntarily forgave us in Christ Jesus. And so Paul was asking Philemon to do the same. Because he asked him to welcome Onesimus as he would welcome him. Paul's confidence, Paul's confidence in asking Philemon to welcome Onesimus was based on the assurance that God accepted his people because of Christ Jesus. The question of acceptance by humans is a very difficult thing. And it's a very difficult one. I want to tell you a story long ago that did happen as I was growing up as a young man. I had brought this young woman home, though she was known to my mother. She was just 17 then, I remember. And my mother had sat me down and asked me, Oh, is that young woman your girlfriend? I said, Yes. Are you sure you are going to be able to be a friend of this young woman for a very long time, if it were to be so. And I said, yes. Then she was satisfied with what my answer was. And I thought that was all to it. But before I could know it, or within three months of that discussion, I discovered that my mother has told my life history to this young woman, my medical records. <laughs> 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 my medical records and all the secrets of the family has been told to this young woman and I was very surprised when I discovered that and then I was thinking why would she do that but I think what she did was that the moment she discovered that that young woman was serious with me and I was serious with her she did transfer the love she has for me as a son to that young woman, and that young woman automatically became her fourth child, or her, or a daughter to her, after me. And the reason why she did that was because she just felt that if these two young people were serious, doesn't see any reason why she cannot love her just like her son. And that was exactly what she did, and. 30 years later, I'm sure that young woman is still hanging around me. <laughs> In other words, she accepted that young woman on my account. Not on her own quality or what she was capable of becoming or doing, but because of the love she has for me. So she transferred that love automatically and the same acceptance directly to that young woman. In verse 18 to 21 of Philemon, Paul spoke with confidence. Paul asked Onesimus, charge, as said to Philemon, sorry, charge the debt of Onesimus to my account. And he was very confident about that. The word charge in this verse can be interpreted as impute or reckon to my account. It's like 
you are saying that whatever debt anybody owe, if someone were to owe a very serious debt for which they were going to be imprisoned or for which they were going to be arrested as they do in the south because in the south if you were to owe a traffic a debt of a traffic offense and you did not pay you will be arrested nobody's going to let you go until that debt is paid or if someone were just to stand up and say okay i paid it off for you and therefore they will let you go i'm sure we don't do that up here in the north you had the opportunity to go to court and defend yourself but anyhow paul said to Philemon, charge Onesimus' debt to my account. In other words, he should not be held responsible for running away because he knows the consequences of running away in the Roman world. So also, he knows the consequences of holding on to, to Onesimus if he were to think of doing that because it was a crime under Roman laws to harbor one who has run away. But Paul was not governed by those fears. Because when you are in Christ, all your fears are gone because of the love of God. So he said to him, Reckon all his debt to my account. And that was what Christ did for us. In Romans 5.3, the sinner is not held responsible for his actions. This way illustrates Christ's work on the cross. The debt of the believer's sin has been charged to Christ's account. God the Father receives all believers as he would receive his own beloved son. As we have been reminded earlier, we have heard this story over and over and over. But as we know, this is a very sweet story which we want to hear again and again and again. Because there is no one who doesn't want his debts to be forgiven under any circumstances. Have you been received by God? Then who's fast, hold fast to his love in Christ Jesus. Because there's the danger of falling away if you do not hold fast to the debt for which Christ has removed from you. Are you still on the fence? Then you need to come down from the fence. For on Christ's account, God has forgiven your sins. Because there are many of us who for some reason or the other, either, either out of our own human wisdom, or out of our own ignorance, or out of our own pomposity, we do not take seriously the message of the cross. And most of the time, these people who do not take seriously the message of the cross, they may be sitting in the pew with you. They're just sitting on the fence. They, don't, they are not able to move on out of that position because sometimes out of their own human calculation some of the stories being told are not adding up, they would think. But the word of God said that 
God out of his goodness. Sent his son down from on high to pay the price for our sins. He did that willingly. He did that out of love. And he did that without persuasion. And that is the message we need to take home this morning. So if there is any among you who have not known Christ, I'm calling upon you this morning to move over on the side of God so that you will enjoy that love for which those who have been saved continuously live in peace and harmony. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for your words. And we thank you for speaking to us this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to let your word have a place in our heart. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed.